Welcome to this week's episode of Seen and Heard Industry Updates for the Modern Dairy Family. I'm Darby Toth, a Technical Field Services Representative here at Western United Dairies. And I'm Melissa Lima, the North Coast and Organic Field Services Representative with Western United Dairies. Hey Darby, how's it going? It's going good. How about you? It's good. Good to be back on this uh, dreary, foggy day up in Humboldt. We'll start the weather a little early today, but... Yeah, we're nice and bright and clear here. We had like a very interesting little kind of pressure change in the middle of this week and, but a pressure change of like five degrees, but oh, still, yeah, it's warm and, but we don't have any clouds in the sky and peeking out my office window. Oh, nice. Yeah, we haven't seen the sun much in the last five or six days. It looks like this weekend it's going to clear up, but um, you know, we always say that's what keeps our perennial pastures going, but it still gets a little depressing in July when it's 52 degrees and you have a fire going in the fireplace. So. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I think even down south, my parents are in San Diego and um, they're having really weird late season morning fog. So yes, my brother said the same thing. So I guess, you know, we just can't change the weather and we go with it, but we'll still, we can all find a few minutes to complain a little, I guess. Exactly. And now, so you've gotten a nice update from like three main areas of the state. So the weather yes. for everybody should just be covered. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, we've had um, a busy few weeks. As we mentioned last week, we had a board meeting. And then this week, we just had a lot of, I don't know about you, but I had a lot of just little random questions from people about stuff that we normally deal with under normal circumstances, which was really refreshing. Um, I'm working with a guy on his CDQAP evaluation had some water quality stuff come up. So I'm glad to be back in the swing of normal things, even though we're not really helping folks in a normal way, we're still available to help them. And I've been having a lot of success over Zoom and the, even the phone with a lot of these things. So I don't know what your experience has been with that stuff, Darby. Yeah, I agree. I think people are, people are calling with their kind of normal issues in the past week or two, and it has been kind of nice and refreshing. And I've done a lot of kind of meal break, you know, just kind of things, guys trying to clean up certain things. And it is nice to just kind of do something that feels kind of just normal and practical. Absolutely. And we're, we're new normal, but still, you know, back to good old questions about water quality and labor and pricing and things that we would rather be dealing with than giving producers all these crazy directives about how to handle their employees in a pandemic. So I agree. Well, I think this might be one of our first episodes in quite a while that we don't have a heavy COVID update. I think we're looking at a market up a update with Annie. We're going to talk to Anya kind of wrapping things up with the Burger King debacle is maybe an okay <laughs> word here. Um, we're going to talk to Dana Ghirardelli from CMAB, and we're going to also introduce one of our newer board members, Garrett Durat. Yeah, I'm looking forward to um, that interview with Garrett. We love having Garrett on our board. And of course, um, I got a chance to sit down with both Dana and Anya this week. And so really good information for producers. That's pretty refreshing considering what our last few episodes have been centered around, I would say. Exactly. And with that refreshing news in mind, let's talk to Annie for our market update. Thank you, Darby and Melissa. I'm happy to be here again this week with good news. Again, prices were a little bit more mixed, but there sure was a lot of excitement. I mean, on top of Major League Baseball starting again, um, just 
a lot of good things going on. And if we look especially at uh, cheese price, USDA price gained 7.7 cents this week. And we stand now at $2.71 per pound. So this is a really strong uh, price level. Barrels gains were a little bit more modest, but they still moved in the right direction. Uh, now standing at 243 per pound. Now, you know, we might have a few weeks left of this joyful uh, block ascent, but it seems like we may be approaching the, the top floor here because CME prices have started to make their way down in the last week or so from the record high that was set just over a week ago. And so if you look at the CME block, cheese has been coming down, you know, a couple uh, pennies here and there. And today uh, blocks were at 254. So still high prices, but uh, probably means that USD prices have reached um, as high as they're going to go, at least in the, the short term. They might still have a little bit next week, but eventually they'll start to soften. If we look at the inventory report that came out this week, there was a small increase in American cheese stocks. They were up 1% year over year. That might seem high, but the impressive part is really the downward trajectory that cheese stocks have been following in the past few months. If you had a chart, you could see it's almost a straight line down from the peak we had in April, like a big jump when, you know, all the restaurants closed and it's been coming down in May and June. And so we're really close now to where we were a year ago. So that's the really good news in terms of how much cheese has been moving. Outside our borders, the latest global dairy trade auction, um, you know, prices were $1.73 for the cheddar price. So that's lower than where we're at. So eventually this discrepancy might have an impact on our exports, but you know, the latest data on exports was still uh, very strong. And so overall, good news for cheese. Butter is slowing down a little bit, another loss of four cents. We're at $1.76 per pound. Uh, June stocks uh, went up, uh, up 11% from a year ago. So the picture is not quite as pretty for butter as it is for cheese, but at least, you know, the inventory went down from when it was in May. And so still some, some progress on that front. And if we look outside our borders, the price picture is really not that far off with the latest GDT at $1.60 per pound. The Nafa dry milk is trying to rev up and go up, but still not moving very fast. Um, you know, losing 0.4 cents this week or 96 cents per pound. CME is doing about the same hovering around the dollar mark. Fortunately, if we look outside our borders, uh, skim milk powder price average is at $1.22 this week. So for a commodity that's really relying on exports market like powder, that figure is a lot more important uh, for this commodity. I mean, if you look back in May, 85% of all the U.S. powder was exported. So obviously a very important figure. Uh, last piece of information, USDA released its milk production report this week. Uh, you know, slow growth in the U.S. in June. Production was up half a percent. Uh, number one dairy state, California, was up 1%. If we look at number two, Wisconsin, they were down 1.4%. So overall, um, you know, whole country pretty close to, to zero, but just a little bit above that. And the gain in California came from an increase in milk per cows because the cow number is still down from where it was a year ago. And before I conclude, I just wanted to add a note on the quota hearing. We're not going to talk about quota today, but you might have uh, seen our newsletter. There's a uh, court hearing next week. It was scheduled for Tuesday, and we just got notice that it was postponed to Friday. We will send a notice, and uh, interested people can listen via YouTube link that the court is set up, and that would also be included in our newsletter this week. So stay tuned for more information on that hearing next week. So um, back to you, Darby, Melissa, and have a great weekend. 
Thanks again, Annie. And we're going to go and talk to Anya and Melissa and listen in a little bit about the Burger King commercial that kind of popped up in everybody's lives within the last week. Thanks, Darby. I'm really pleased to welcome back our CEO, Anya Radabaugh. Welcome, Anya. Thank you. Anya, you're here today to talk to us about sort of a rather serious but kind of funny issue that came up last week. It's been about exactly a week in duration that we've been dealing with it. And, and luckily, the fun part is that today there was a little bit of a better resolution. So could you share a little bit with us about that issue? Yeah, this has been a, um, a sprint and a marathon at the same time of a massive forward-facing consumer campaign surrounding enteric emissions, which I think that uh, before last week, none of us, particularly in the dairy industry, wanted to talk about enteric emissions. Uh, but this commercial that Burger King released called Cow's Menu, hashtag Cow's Menu, really forced our hand. And I think that Initially, it started off as a commercial that began on YouTube and was slowly making its way for prime time on television that essentially alleged cows were part of the global warming problem, uh, which we know that there are some issues around methane and short-lived climate pollutants that we contribute to. We're working really hard uh, in the manure management side to reduce some of the methane impacts, but the Burger King commercial uh, was really insulting to farmers because it not only cast uh, agriculture is kind of a hickish, uh, there has a country tune playing element to it, but it also uh, suggested that enteric emissions could be solved using uh, lemongrass as commodity forages. So that uh, created quite a ripple effect throughout the producer community across the United States. Uh, Western got involved uh, pretty uh, predominantly. We went right to Dr. Frank Mitloner, who we've been working with on a variety of other manure management uh, techniques and asked him to essentially prepare whatever he had in order to respond to this commercial. Okay, and 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 that he did. Um, there's a really great video that the Clear Center at UC Davis put out. It's it's available on our website and our social media channels. But if you haven't checked it out yet, I I would suggest producers listen to it. It's it's got some really good talking points in it that we could use not just to combat these kind of corporate attacks that seem to be happening, but also just in everyday conversations with people. It was an excellent response. The, um, the Clear Center has been developed by Dr. Mitloner and other, uh, several other esteemed scientists within the UC Davis Cooperative Extension, and uh, there are a variety of funders that come into that, Western and the California Cattle Council, the newly formed California Cattle Council, are part of those organizations that are supporting the Clear Center efforts to magnify Dr. Mitloner's conversation about how cows actually induce global cooling, which is the opposite of what we have been accused almost the last decade of. And so his project called Rethink Methane, and you can actually look it up uh, both on our channels, but um, on the Clear Center, it's, it's actually spelled just like it sounds, C-L-E-A-R, um, really talks about how methane is not necessarily as bad as we think it is. It's important to control but what happens in the ruminant cycle when cattle graze and they emit methane as part of their belching process predominantly, uh, that it's actually upcycled back into the ground and converted and pulls carbon out of the atmosphere. And so Mitloner has um, made many um, credible scientific papers on this now, but he's also um, gone mainstream 
And Western United Dairies is actually helping magnify his, his message in the capital of California, which uh, seems like a very good place to start. But we had him and asked him to roll out his um, video series a little sooner than he was anticipating in response to this Burger King campaign. Great. Well, just really quick, Anya, can we go through a couple of the, there was a lot of issues with the video, as you mentioned, it was kind of appropriated a lot to agriculture. It was kind of twangy and hickish and there's all kinds of things wrong with it. But I think most importantly, um, I, I want to point out that the, there's a lot of misinformation about the study, um, the lemongrass study that they referenced and can we talk a little bit about that? Yeah. Yeah. So rewinding, I, 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 yeah, there's a lot of really industry specific information we can go through, through here, but the assumption that uh, cattle enteric emissions are, first of all, any kind of quantitative um, piece of the GHG puzzle has been uh, debunked a number of times, not just by Dr. Mitwoner, but by another talented gentleman at UC Davis named Imiris Karab. And what they did, um, paid for by Burger King, uh, which is not that unusual for big retailers and manufacturers to fund studies, trying to look at how they reduce their carbon footprint. A study was funded both in California and in Mexico City, um, where they did feed cattle a variety of commodities and feedstuffs to see what the impact was on their belching and farting. Um, this, of course, occurred in a very controlled environment. Uh, it was not, they were not milking cattle in a lot of situations, which as dairy producers, we know uh, is a huge, it doesn't matter if you can feed anything to a cow if you can't get a good, nutritious, and safe product out the back end. Um, but what they did is they grew lemongrass uh, kind of in these aquapods. And they found in Mexico City that when the cows that were not milking were fed the lemongrass, it did reduce their enteric belching by a, a few percentage points. However, replicated in California, it had absolutely no miserable effects, which was a huge disparity. And so the scientists involved, Dr. Kirab at UC Davis, we're making note of this. Uh, the study was not complete when Burger King decided to make its uh, announcement very publicly. And it was also not peer reviewed. And these are really important steps to the global scientific community that I think UC Davis was frankly appalled by because the study uh, not only didn't show what Burger King was alleging and, and making a huge marketing decision on, um, it was also not peer reviewed or justified and it was not a complete study. So these are some huge red flags that as Dr. Mitloner took to Twitter, as organizations like Western and some other fantastic social media influencers like Farm Babe took to social media, we pointed out these, these inefficiencies and fallacies throughout. And ultimately what happened, I think was a reasonable resolution, but it's fair thing to say that most farmers are still really ticked off about what happened. Yeah, I think the messaging probably, you know, the, the reason everybody is so fired up about this and I, I'm in the same boat is instead of using good science and, um, you know, waiting for the science to be complete and putting out a good message, it always seems to come with a negative connotation to it. Um, and there's so much that agriculture is doing to combat climate change. And, um, you know, there's so many things out there right now that seem to be counteracting that from both a 
the lawmaking standpoint and then, you know, the advertising standpoint. And we keep seeming to have these big corporations that have investors that may not be favorable to animal agriculture coming out with these sort of attacks when it's not something that is necessarily true or information that the general public can really digest. Not to, no pun intended. <laughs> I've, every farmer, particularly in California, is more than happy to step up to the plate and be environmentally responsible and take ownership of contributing to a better climate. There's not a single farmer you're gonna talk to that will feel differently about that. But we have to look out for the health and safety of our cows as number one. And number two, we have to make sure that our products meet the guaranteed promise that we're making to consumers. And so to your point, um, this type of commercial, which we're, we've seen more and more of, uh, it really started with Chipotle. Uh, they, they make these terrible claims that are not substantiated and ultimately that results in a loss of trust with the consumer not necessarily with the brand, but with the farmers. Mm -hmm. And that's the most aggravating part about this entire conversation is it highlighted an enteric conversation that was premature, mm -hmm. was not ready to, um, I mean, frankly, be messaged yet because it's so scientific and technical and that's the realm it should stay in for some time now. There is a tremendous amount of work, uh, many of our farmers, including our board member, uh, Cody Nicholson Stratton, who sat on SB 1383 subcommittees, looking at ways to you know, tackle enteric, looking at ways to do a better job with methane management. But all of these things, not just they, they really have to be peer reviewed and tested and launching a consumer facing campaign about cow farts and, um, and then additionally adding this hickish element which I, every single one of our farmers is far more sophisticated than anyone at Burger King. Yeah. Just added insult to injury. Um, Absolutely. You know, the average, there's nobody on our board that owns a banjo and um, <laughs> the, those kinds of references do not facilitate a global conversation about feeding the world any better or any faster than what we have to. Um, we have a huge job in front of us. The global population is increasing. Um, Dr. Mitloner refers to it as the 2050 challenge. We're looking at doubling the world's population, which means our farmers have to feed them in, in just 25 years. So we have a big job and we can't get, we can't talk about things that will ultimately reduce our access, our food access across the world. Absolutely. Especially when we're doing it in a way that also, you know, especially the last two decades really keeps in mind global climate issues and we're focused so much on that and then to to kind of have the rug pulled out from under us on on all the important research that's in the process and that has already been conducted is it's just a little frustrating um well and by way of example i mean and this has been pre-reviewed this this next these next statistics are not just pulled out of thin air we've been testing and testing but we're feeding we're able to produce three times as much milk with seven times fewer cows and shrinking our carbon footprint by 66% just in the last decade. I mean, those are numbers that we're proud of and we wanna keep them going up and down where they should. Uh, and so talking about growing lemongrass, which should we focus on the carbon footprint of doing that? <laughs> it, it just, it, how much water does it take? I don't know. You know, where would we get the seeds? Probably from across the Pacific Ocean. 
So there, there's a lot of impacts that are associated with, um, with theoretical assumptions. But I just wanted to touch on the solution, uh, what, what happened yesterday, and it was a really important, uh, I think, conclusion to this maddening moment, uh, is that uh, as a result of Dr. Mittloner's, I think, appropriate professional criticism, along with the credibility he has in the global space, uh, in the GHG methane sector, Burger King decided to pull the ad. They um, pulled it completely from television and they have modified the YouTube version uh, by responding to farmers' concerns about um, the hickish, the, the parochial elements that were, that were put in there and they've taken the banjo guy out, they've softened the, they completely removed the conversation about lemongrass and it's just become kind of a fluffy commercial about how they care about the environment and all that stuff. So this is a rare moment where I think that the work of the Clear Center and the work of the industry and the fantastic contribution that the California Cattle Council made in order to facilitate this piece of the puzzle, which is farmer dollars actually being spent in a really great way, uh, we were able to get in front of what could be a potential disaster. Definitely. I think <clears throat> Burger King and hopefully other other businesses have learned an important lesson there too. We, you know, we're all in this together. So let's work together and get the right message out there. I hope so. And we'll, we'll be there when, um, you know, Burger King really makes good on its promise, which is to work directly with farmers and work directly with the scientists about a collaboration uh, next time. Definitely. I think the sad part of the message is Burger King was doing something really good by investing dollars in this important research and they really kind of didn't make themselves look too good in the end. So we'll see, Completely we'll see how agree. it goes forward. Well, that, and that's a really important, I think, summary comment is none of this is about us not wanting the research to be done on any, any side of the aisle. It, it should be companies that are looking forward for climate solutions and looking forward for environmentally sustainable solutions, you know, we should acknowledge that. And I, and the farmers do it, farmers as well. But um, when you, when you screw the pooch on <laughs> a study that you paid for, uh, it, 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 to your point, it, it, the, the credibility factor was completely lost, which is yeah. really why they, um, they opened the door to Dr. Mitloner because he, he completely annihilated their credibility and that's that's wonderful. Yes. Yeah, we love Dr. Bitloner. He's certainly been such a blessing to this industry. We're hoping to get him on in a couple of weeks too. So we'll catch up with, with Frank about some of this stuff. But thank you so much for bringing us this update, Anya. And uh, we will hopefully have you back here soon with more exciting industry happenings. Awesome. Have a great day. Thanks. You too. Well, thanks, Anya and Melissa. And now we're going to chat with Melissa and Dana Ghirardelli from CMAB. Thanks, Darby. As Darby mentioned, we're, I'm proud to be here with our new California Milk Advisory Board Director of Producer Relations, Dana Ghirardelli, and a, a good friend of mine from her days at Clover. Welcome, Dana, to the show. Thank you so much for having me. Absolutely. Well, we really appreciate you joining us, but really we wanted to give you an opportunity to engage a little bit with producers because you started this new job just in the last couple of months, which 
is probably one of the toughest times ever to start a new job. So Dina, if you want to just start out by telling us a little bit about yourself and your role at CMAB, we would love to hear. Great. I really appreciate the opportunity and you are correct. I started in this new role and literally two weeks later, everything shut down. So I've been trying to um, expose myself, but it's been very limited as you can imagine. So there's um, a lot of your membership that I already know, especially up here in, in the area where I'm at, which is in Petaluma, but I'm happy to, to introduce myself. And again, my name is Dana Ghirardelli. I live in Petaluma and I grew up here uh, my dad had a dairy here in Petaluma, so I grew up showing cattle and um, just playing on the dairy. Um, I also was dairy princess eons ago, so I, that's when my first exposure to California Milk Advisory Board really started. Uh, so after I graduated from high school, I attended CSU Chico, and I got a degree in agriculture, but my focus was on what they called animal industries. So it was, allowed me to, to study both animal science and ag business. And then when I graduated there, there was an opening at the uh, UC Cooperative Extension Office in Marin and Sonoma County. So I served as the dairy program representative. So really started almost filling somewhat of a uh, dairy farm advisor role, but to a limited degree. But that's where I really kind of dug into the local industry and, and got to know all of the local producers here, dealing with everything from environmental issues and water quality to that's when ranch plans started really becoming a, um, a, a big thing and uh, just kind of finding my way that way. I was there for a few years and then in 2000 I started my family so I decided to, to step away from UC but I stayed involved by uh, working on my family's dairy both doing regulatory compliance um, <clears throat> for them as well as other dairies and then also organic transitioning became um, a, a thing for so many of the dairies in the area and my family being one of them. So I, I ingrained myself in that. And then once my kids got a little older, I jumped in at Clover Stornetta, which is now Clover Sonoma and Producer Relations and was there for 11 and a half years, just covering all kinds of topics on, on dairies from, you know, milk procurement and milk balancing to um, transportation and um, just anything that garnered the relationship and the partnership between Clover and the dairies. And so, um, as most of you know, I moved away from Clover and started with CMAB on March 2nd, and here I am. <laughs> well, we're so glad to have you, Dana, and it's good to have someone in that role um, to follow Chris that has as much dairy experience and, and just a good relationship building ability with producers. I know it's a tough role to be in, especially right now, but we're, we're so glad you're you're with us and glad you're on the podcast today too. Thank you. Um, so how, I know it's, it's kind of a tough question because your role didn't start out as it should have probably, but how has your role evolved over the past few months? Um, or if you have anything kind of to talk about how you guys have had to handle things differently, especially in the producer relations aspect over at CMAB. Well, you know, to be really honest with you, I feel a little bit um, like I'm not probably giving as much as I should, but it's only just from the point of I'm really trying to learn. And um, everybody got kind of thrown into the fire um, during this pandemic. And if one thing I've really recognized is truly how dynamic the team at CMAB really is and how everybody just really shifted and pivoted and recognized um, you know, the needs from their regard as to what they can do and how we can be of service in this time of just uncertainty and unknown. And, and you know, at a time when we recognize that there's a lot of components to the industry or even just to, to food in and of itself 
how it broke down. Um, and so, you know, watching the team around me um, work and communicate um, was really inspiring. And again, I felt kind of like I, I wasn't contributing all that I could, but it really just came from a place of of learning and unknown. So now that we're, you know, now we're here, I, I um, you know, five, four to five months later, things are still an unknown, but I'm starting to settle in a little more and start to understand the different, um, kind of the different communities, if you will, um, of, of, of groups that we work with and we communicate with and, and the roles that I should play from a producer relation, relations point of view or the roles that they play in the industry so that we can work together and serve the dairy producers because at the end of the day, that's the most important thing. So I feel like my position is definitely still evolving. I'm hoping that your listeners and your members um, will reach out to me and help me with that evolution and, and help me create um, my service so that it's most effective and efficient because I'm, I'm about efficiency. And so, you know, the more idle time I have and I'm not producing something, um, I feel like um, I need to give more. So any, any guidance from anyone is more than welcome. Absolutely. CMAB has a lot of really important roles that they're playing for our producers. And I just wanted to touch base with you on some of the adjustments um, that CMAB has made to, um, you know, to make dairy producers money go places this, this last sure. five or six months. Sure. So I, I, I pulled together a list of a few different things that um, have been focused on. Of course, there's a myriad of, of things going on, um, but I just figured I'd touch on a few. Um, and I know it, for those who I have emails for, I try to send some updates and I'm hoping that by the end of this um, podcast, I can give my contact information with hopes that if somebody, I don't have their email address, they can reach out to me because I'd like to include them on the updates. Um, but first, right away, when things shut down and we knew schools shut down, um, and you know, how are we going to continue to to educate? And and you know, uh, there's there's just so many things going on. So one of the things we did was we reached out to a Dairy Council of California and said, you know, how can we partner? So long and the short is we we created something called the Farm to You program. So it was a virtual farm tour. Um, that we did in conjunction with Dairy Council of California, where the mobile dairy classroom, we took an instructor from the mobile dairy classroom and partnered them with one of our California dairy farmers. And we had five of them from around the state willing to participate. And uh, so eight times a week, so twice a day from Tuesday through Friday, we would do about a 45 minute session. And we had this all set up where schools got the, you know, got the notification, homeschools, whatnot, they could all sign up for sessions. And between mobile dairy classroom and the dairy farmer, they were able to go through a bit of a curriculum, kind of show what happens on farm, be available for questions. And that turned out to be a very positive experience. We had over 10,000 participants log in and sign on to those programs um, over the course between April and June. Um, but we're very confident that there was far more who may have been watching through one person signing in, but there were multiple. So we felt that the outreach was great. The response we got from students, parents, and teachers alike was very positive. So we're hoping to create something similar in the fall, probably not as intensive. It was quite an intensive time, but we knew that you know time was short and there was a few weeks left and, and we wanted to be able to reach out to those students. So um, we're, we are looking for more producers who might be willing to um, participate in some way and do um, you know, these farm tours. We can 
try to accommodate their comfort level, obviously, but we're gonna need more help. So I uh, might be reaching out to others, but if there's anybody listening who feels like they'd be willing to jump in, we'd love to have them. Um, one of the really key programs that we did was um, we partnered with Crossmark, uh, it's a merchandising company, because obviously no frustration was bigger than um, going into a store and seeing the dairy cases empty, even more so those signs that said that there was a limit on how many items you could take. And that was just, I know that as a dairy farmer's daughter, as a dairy you know farmer person, I know how frustrating that was. I was frustrated. So that was probably one of our most important act actions that we took was working with them and so we're actually just we that we had a phase one and that ended about mid-june and we just started a second phase and uh in the first phase they visited over 350 stores um 61 of the stores visited resulted in some type of assistance and 25 percent of the stores visited resulted in shelves being fully restocked um and and 798 purchase limit signs were removed so wow. that's great that we were able to do that, but isn't that significant that there were that many actually up in place? Definitely. So, um, so obviously we saw that that was a valuable um, effort. So we did it, started phase two on June 28th. Um, 137 of those stores from phase one will be revisited this time. And then we've added another 338 new locations. And uh, those will include some Target stores in Northern California and uh, Bonds in Southern California. And on this round, we've actually um, included with the restocking to add instant redeemable coupons to place on various products. So each store will be visited twice per week for four weeks. And then so that should result in about 162,000 instant redeemable coupons to get product moving. Great. So, yep. So we'll see. Um, like I said, that's going to go for four weeks. That just started the end of June. So we have a, a couple weeks to go. So I'm anxious to see what the results are. And I'm happy to share those out when we get them. Definitely. Yep. And then, um, so I don't know if any, uh, there's a lot of people who are becoming more savvy on social media and this position for me has definitely had uh, forced me to do the same. But one of the things that we've done is uh, started, did a um, project called Mornings Mean More. So we've worked with um, social media influencers to kind of share, share their morning routines and, and show how they've shifted for the better in terms of um, taking time for breakfast. And I think that that's kind of become a new consumer norm um, that people now that they're home and we're not rushing out the door that breakfast has become an integral part of the day again. And so having these social media influencers talk about their mornings and including dairy and in their in their mornings and because you know the mornings do mean more so make sure you get your dairy products in. So we, we've been pushing that out and then to dovetail into that um, we are working on production right now for somewhat of a breakfast campaign. So we're working on production of new commercials to be pushed out through social and digital and with hopes some um, potential airway type um, promotions, but we're really going to focus on breakfast again and bringing back, um, dairy products back to the table, families back to the table at breakfast. And so that's, that's going to be a campaign that's coming up and we're working on production right now. So I don't have anything of of fun to share as of yet, but wait for it, it is coming. So. Awesome. And I think maybe that's a cultural shift that we'll see. Hopefully, I just think, um, you know, growing up, breakfast was a really important thing for our family. And a lot of farm families, I think, experience that. But because um, we're up a little maybe earlier than 
the general population, but hopefully that will be a good cultural shift that also results in people using more milk and different dairy products at the breakfast table. Absolutely. I think that the cultural shift with this is, is just, it's, you know, it's, it's slowing us down as a culture again, and it's allowing people to eat at home as a family again. And we, you know, while we are all on the go before and now we're back at home and, and when people got back at home, they wanted comfort and nutrition. And we found that people went to dairy products for yes. both of those things, for indulgence and for nutrition. So people are going back to all the things we've been saying from the beginning. So it's, it's kind of an opportunity really for dairy to reinvent itself. For sure. I know my ice cream budget probably tripled <laughs> during this whole, whole situation. So you're right. Absolutely. It's, yeah. We, and I think that's the awesome thing about dairy is that we offer both, you know, there's, you know, the comfort food aspect of it, but also knowing that you're giving your family and your kids just a wholesome, nutritious meal when you include dairy. And so, absolutely. you know, maybe absolutely. as hard as this all has been, the silver lining is, is getting back to those you know, more wholesome meals that, that could be shared with the whole family at the table. Absolutely. Yep. We are finding that to be the case. Great. Yes. Well, Dana, again, thank you so much for coming on today. We're so glad to have you and you're welcome anytime um, to join us. If CMAB has an update for producers, we'd love to have you. Before we let you go, anything else you'd like to chat with um, our producers about? And, and before you go, any, um, let us know how they could reach out to you. Perfect. So I just, um, I, wanted to make sure and let everybody know that um, we'll be having our second Golden State update. So in, in August, I don't have a date for that yet, but we had our first one the end of May. And it really was just our way to kind of make sure that our, you know, the producers could connect and understand what we were doing as CMAB, because obviously we can't have district meetings. It doesn't look like annual meetings will be happening this year either. I, we were all crossing our fingers and hoping that they would. Um, so in the meantime, we'll have another Golden State update. So be looking for that. It'll, like I said, it'll be in August. Um, again, I really welcome and encourage people to reach out to me just to even just to say hello over the phone or email and just let me know you're there. Um, but my email address is dghirardelli at cmab.net. So it's D-G-H-I-R-A-R-D-E-L-L-I at cmab.net. And then another great um, way to stay, kind of stay connected if you aren't already is if you are on Facebook, there is a private group called California Dairy Farmers. So I've been trying to push out any type of information on there. We have some, um, some participation from other farmers and other groups that are able to push in information. And it's really just geared towards dairy farmers and, and being able to disseminate information out that we think will be helpful. So that's another way to connect. So again, back to this role, it's evolving. Um, you mentioned Chris and I came into this job saying that there was no way I was gonna try to fill her shoes. So I just need to find another pair and um, kind of make it my own and make it our own. And, and as our industry evolves, this position will evolve. But those that know me know that it's my passion and know that I, I'm here for producers. I understand, you know, the plight of producers. I understand the benefits. I understand why we love it. And I just want to be able to, you know, elevate our role among producers. 
Well, I think you're well on your way, Dana. I know this hasn't been an ideal start to a new position, but um, I couldn't think of a better person to follow in Chris's footsteps. Um, you don't maybe have to fill her shoes because we all know how great Chris was and we miss Absolutely. her, of course, but yes. you're doing a great job and, and just welcome and, and um, please, if you ever need anything, reach out. We're happy to, as I said, have you back on the podcast to talk to producers and we really appreciate your time today. I really appreciate the opportunity. Thank you. Great. Again, a big thanks to Dana for joining us this week to talk about her new role at CMAB and all the wonderful work that Milk Advisory Board has been doing on behalf of dairy producers. Next, I'll throw it over to Darby, who is with one of our new board members, Garrett Durat. All right, I'm here with one of West United's newer board members, Garrett Durat. I've had the pleasure of knowing Garrett for quite a while now. Garrett, thank you for taking time to be on the podcast today. Thanks, it's good to be here. So I think you're an interesting member of our board because you're kind of a legacy member of the board. Um, can you explain a little bit about your family and kind of your involvement in the industry? So my dad was a board member before me and I took his spot on the board and we have owned a dairy, our family, it's the family dairy. And we've owned it since uh, we lived in Escondido and it was my Oma's and Opa's dairy. And then in 2005, we moved up to the Central Valley and now we are currently dairying on and so you are kind of newer as a board member and a newer WUD member even, and you actually completed our Dairy Leaders program as well. Um, can you maybe talk a little bit about that and what kind of value you think WUD brings as an organization to the industry? So my real foray into being West United was started with the Dairy Leaders program. And I started, I went into that right out of college and it was, I mean, they taught me about a lot of what the dairy should be involved with the public and how to just lead in the dairy industry. And it just, it brought me into contact with a lot of the big organizations that like DMI and CMAB and just showed me what those do for the dairy industry and how they're working to get dairy products moved and uh, increased consumption of dairy. Yeah, I just completed Dairy Leaders this last year. It was my class this year, and it's a big eye-opening experience. I think a lot of members that are on Dairy Leaders or in Dairy Leaders see a lot of kind of things that happen behind the scenes in the industry that we tend to hear about, but we don't necessarily experience firsthand every single day. And I think it really opens a lot of people's eyes to all the different facets of the industry that really exist. Yeah, I, many things it's like you just don't think about that's what they do or that's how they work. You just hear about them more in the background. Oh, they did this project, that project. And then you go and you see how they're working on the project and working with bigger companies to get more cheese or more butter into the products and just increase the consumption and then even monitor the social media to make sure that dairy is being perceived in a good way or if there's a problem going to develop 
so that they can act proactively before it becomes a major issue. Yeah, and I think we saw some of that work at hand from the last couple of weeks with the entire Burger King issue that happened. But I think it was so interesting to me to see all the partnerships that happened between DMI and like, I mean, places that we eat all the time, Taco Bell and Domino's and how much they work to really try and try and get more dairy products on consumers' plates. Um, we really appreciate you being on. Is there anything else that you'd like to add you know, just maybe something that Wood has done for your family or something Wood's working on or just a reminder to our members that you can reach out to Wood staff at any time with any questions that you may have. So I see Wood is providing the political support that the dairy needs in the capital and the federal capital and just trying to prevent it from prevent people who don't know how dairy works from just willy-nilly making laws that really harm the dairy industry. And they're working to educate those people so that they see what they can do to help us and not destroy the industry unwillingly, unknowingly. And I think what really has a very good public, works with the public and works to educate people about dairy and how dairymen work and what it is to be on a dairy and how the farmers react to the new laws and stuff. I agree. I think that educating lawmakers before they go in or senators and legislators before they go in and vote on these bills that they're maybe not informed on is one of our government affairs kind of team's biggest, you know, biggest strategies that they're continually working on. Well, we just want to say thanks again for being on the podcast, Garrett. We're really excited to have you coming up on our board and we look forward to hearing from you again in the future. Thank you. It's been good talking. Okay, well, thanks so much, Darby, for that great interview with Garrett. We're going to wind things down today with a few quick reminders. Darby, what are some things our listeners should be looking out for? Well, one thing you should really look out for is the bonus episode with Tony Ormundo, and he talks about COVID-19. That webinar is currently recorded and is live in our podcast queue, so if you go to our show, you can find it as one of our bonus episodes. And that's really just a great episode and a great chat with Tony where we got to break down kind of a lot of the nitty gritty questions that producers have regarding COVID-19 on-farm practices. And then in addition to that, another one of our webinars is gonna be live and that's Annie's live PPD Q&A session. And that's gonna be available early next week and we're gonna publish it as another bonus episode. So make sure you keep an eye out for that. Yeah, I really learned a lot on that PPD Q&A, Darby, and I was really pleased. One of the producers on the phone kind of asked for feedback from other producers, and I thought it was really good to hear that these webinars are a useful tool for producers. They can listen while they're out working or on the tractor. They can chime in and ask questions, and it seems like a really good way to update producers about what's going on. So hopefully we'll be looking out for more of these um, Q&A type of webinars coming at our listeners here in the next few months.
Yeah, I think it's been fun to see producers kind of get more comfortable with the Zoom world and you can kind of see them being more willing to step in and ask questions. And I, I love it when producers ask questions because so often it's things that I didn't think of that they deal with every day and it kind of opens up a big discussion. So I'm really excited for future Zoom meetings. Me too. And now that I found the function where I could just put my cute headshot up and not worry about what my hair looks like, I'm even more looking forward to it. Exactly. Well, a huge thank you again to Annie, Anya, Dana, and Garrett for joining us for today's episode. And thank you to everyone who's been listening and subscribing. Remember, if you'd like to reach out to us with questions, comments, and content requests, we can be reached via email, wud.pod at gmail.com. I'm M-L-E-M-A at wudairies.com and Darby. I'm Darby, D-A-R-B-Y at wudairies.com. And remember, we would love it if you guys could rate, review, and subscribe on your favorite listening platform. We're on Apple, Spotify, all kinds of other platforms, and we're on our website. So if you just want to go straight to your desktop and log into westernuniteddairies.com, we're right there. And in the top right-hand corner, you can find a link to the podcast. You can just listen while you're working on things in your office. Thanks so much, everyone. While Western United Dairies respects the varied views of our podcast guests, please know that views expressed on Seen and Heard may not necessarily reflect the positions of the Western United Dairies Board of Directors. Thank you to Western United Dairies' generous 2020 business sponsors, Gar Bennett, California Dairy Magazine, Farm Credit Alliance, FNR Ag Services, Moss Energy Works, Bennett Environmental, PG&E, and Yosemite Farm Credit. We appreciate our sponsors and thank them for their continued support. If you'd like more information on how to sponsor Western United Dairies or this podcast, please send us an email at info at wudairies.com. That's info at wudairies.com. D-A-I-R-I-E-S dot com.